just sang about how God knows our name. And I was thinking about names and how whether or not we live up to our names or not. I don't know if any of you have seen the poster of uh, the missing dog. Maybe you have. Um, but here's the description on the poster of the missing dog. Three legs tall. Blind in left ear. Missing his right ear. I'm sorry, I said blind in left ear. That didn't make any sense. (laughs) Blind in his left eye and missing his right ear. There we go. Boy, he's really messed up if he's blind in his ear. But anyway, (laughs) so we've got three-legged, blind in his left eye, missing his right ear, and a broken tail, and accidentally neutered. And the little boy scribbled at the bottom. He answers to the name of Lucky. <laughs> lucky. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound very lucky. He's not really living up to his name, that dog isn't. But there's someone in the Bible, actually a lot of someones, who lived up to their name. And we're going to talk about one of them tonight. Her name was Hagar, and she, her name meant to flee. And that's indeed what she did. And we're going to find out for just a couple minutes here tonight together why she fleed and how the Lord met her there. If you'll turn, if you have your Bible, this is found in Genesis chapter 16. And we're just going to walk through a few of these verses together in Genesis chapter 16. The beginning it says, verse 1, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian maidservant named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Take my maidservant. Perhaps I can build a family through her. So this is the first surrogate that we're experiencing here. And Abram, it says, agreed to what Sarai said. You know, it had been about 10 years that they've been living here. And 10 years after Abram had received that promise that the Lord would multiply his numbers, that he would um, be the father of many generations, and yet Sarah is still barren, the Bible says. Ten years that they had been waiting. And we see here Sarai taking kind of matters into her own hands, um, helping God, if you will, um, like we often like to do. And Abram agreed to this plan. I'm sure he was very anxious for the Lord's promise to be fulfilled as well. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, um, he was with Hagar and she continued. She conceived. The Bible tells us that she did conceive. And when she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. So Hagar is despising Sarah, you think? I mean, when I read that at first, I thought, well, of course. They're not going to have a good relationship with starting out on that kind of um, plan, their own human plan. So... I imagine, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what that looked like with Hagar despising Sarah. Um, Some commentators think perhaps that she was, you know, insulting her for not um, having 
um, for not being able to bear children herself. Maybe she, she began to have some pride um, about the fact that she had conceived. Um, you know, we're not exactly sure, but we do know that um, she was despising Sarai. And, and Sarai felt that. And so she went to Abram, verse 5, and said, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my servant in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. So we've got the blame game going on. You know, Sarah blaming Abraham and, and both, all of the relationships that are going on here are unfortunately unraveling. There's a lot of conflict. And sometimes when we take matters into our own hands and we don't wait on the Lord, that's exactly what happens in our relationships as well. But let's continue on. Um, verse 6 through 8, Abram says, Your servant, Hagar, is in your hands. Do with her whatever you think best. And then it says, Then Sarai mistreated Hagar. So she begins to mistreat her. She's, she's received Abram's you know, blessing, if you will, to handle it on her own. And we're not, again, we're not exactly sure what that mistreatment looked like. Um, we've all been mistreated by someone. I know I've felt mistreated in my lifetime. And, and so we can imagine what that kind of might have been like. It may not even have been words exchanged. It may have been physical treatment. Or it may have been, um, it may have been physical. So we don't know. But we do know that she was being mistreated to the point where she lives up to her name, and she flees. You know, I was reminded in this story that physical pain and emotional pain are both equally hurtful and painful. I actually have experienced some physical pain in my lifetime, not nearly anything like what some of you all have. But I've also experienced some emotional pain this past year, that um, I can truthfully say to you that the emotional pain ran a lot, lot deeper than even some of the physical pain that I've gone through. And so, you know, we know that there was, a, at the very least, emotional pain going on for both of these women. Um, but Hagar is the one that we're focusing on right now tonight. And I can only imagine the emotional distress that she was feeling. After being given, you know, to Abram and then, you know, doing, uh, conceiving a child and then being mistreated to the point where she feels like she has to flee, um, there's suffering going on here. And so in verse 6, we see that she, it says, Hagar fled. And then verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And the commentary tells us that this road that leads to Shur was on the way back to Egypt. So we think that she was probably fleeing for home. She was running away, trying to get back to where she came from. She was from Egypt. And I thought, you know, it's interesting because the angel, it says, comes to her there. And it says, found her in that desert place. You know, the angel could have stopped her right when she was leaving, long before she ever got to that desert place. 
that wilderness. But he didn't. He waited until she was in that wilderness place, that desert, when she was weary and seeking water to drink. She was thirsty. It tells us that she was at the spring. And so that's when the angel chose to come to her, in her wilderness moment. And tonight, I don't know where you're at, but I know that all of us go through those times of of being in a desert place where we feel dry, where we feel weary, where we feel thirsty, and where we feel um, just kind of trodden down. And that's where Hagar was at this moment. And the angel of the Lord came to her there. What a beautiful picture of God coming to us. You know, oftentimes, I know in my life, it's when I feel the driest and the most low. It's when I've endured um, emotional, you know, suffering that um, sometimes I can't even express verbally what it feels like or what what the experience is. That's when the sweetness of the presence of God will come in a way that he doesn't ever come in other ways like he does in that desert place. And that's where he found Hagar, the one who was fleeing. And when he came to her and found her, the angel asked her two questions, very understandable questions, kind of to the point. This is um, in verse 8. Where have you come from? And where are you going? Those are really good questions for us, too, when we're in that desert place. Where have we come from, and where are we going? And she answered honestly. She didn't try to hide from the angel. She didn't try to um, lie. Right, she didn't lie. She, She answered honestly, and she said, I am running away from my mistress. Then the angel of the Lord told her, verse 9, very simply this command, go back and submit. In other words, humble yourself. That's why some commentators think that perhaps she was prideful of the fact that she'd gotten pregnant because the angel is now telling her to humble herself, to submit, and to go back despite the situation. That's hard. But go back to your mistress and submit to her. And then the angel added that I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. He's giving her a promise of blessing despite the situation. And then the angel goes on to tell her what she already knows, that she's going to be having a child. But he tells her that the child is a son. And if you know anything about the history Um, in in Bible times, that was obviously very important for them to continue on their family name. And that was what Abram was looking for in the promise of God, though that was not his design or plan, as as you find out later in the story. But he tells her that it's a son that she's having. And so here she is in this desert wilderness place, this place of being so downtrodden, this place of weariness, this place of probably confusion and pain. And God has come to her, and he has comforted her. He has given her a a command, and 
he has given her a blessing. And I love her response because she is so overwhelmed that the God of the universe would come to her. And so she, in verse 13, it says, Hagar gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. And this was not just a seeing like, oh, there you are. I see you. This was a deep knowing. This was what we call God's omniscience, his omnipresence. This was his um, amazing qualities that we can't even understand as humans to be all-knowing, all-seeing, all-understanding, to come to us where we are and, and to have this all-encompassing love and compassion for us at our lowest of lowest times. And, you know, David, later in the Psalms, he'll, he'll kind of reflect this in Psalm 139 when he says, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. It was that kind of seeing that Hagar was talking about. Seeing our sin, seeing our sorrow and our trouble, seeing the sincerity of our repentance, and seeing us when if at any time we turn away from God, still seeing us even then. And Hagar was just overcome with the majesty and and awesomeness of it. And she declared this. You know, I read in a commentary that this is the first time that someone named a deity, usually in the Old Testament, because usually the deity would announce himself and declare who he was. But in, in this instance, we have a woman so broken, an Egyptian maidservant, um, and she recognized who she was, that she was nothing in God's sight. And yet, you are the God who sees even me. You are the God who sees. And I love that because it reminds us, as our kids sang tonight, that he knows our name. He knows us with an all-knowing He saw everything about her life, transgressions, contempt, her fleeing. He saw all the workings of her heart, her repentance and sorrow, and he accepted her. He accepted her and her soon-to-be-born son, Ishmael, who also lived up to his name um, because Ishmael means the God who hears. You see, God's heart beats for the lost. It beats for the lonely, the hurting, the confused, the scared. It beats for you and me. And it finds us in our desert, wilderness place. Maybe your wilderness tonight is sickness. Maybe it's loneliness. Maybe it's broken relationships between your spouse or your family. And maybe you have wandered from God like Hagar did. Maybe you're trying to flee from him. You don't even know really where you're running. But you're running in your heart. Maybe there's pride, unconfessed sin. Or maybe, like Hagar, you've been mistreated and you don't feel like anyone cares or understands or even even knows what you've been through. But tonight, Hagar reminds us that God is the God who sees. He's all-knowing, all-caring. He hasn't left you at all. 
he's come to your place in the wilderness and he's saying, where have you come from and, and now, where are you going? He's asking you to obey him, to come to him fully in repentance or just to come to him in your brokenness and to receive healing. God wants the broken fellowship between us and him to be restored. That's what he's all about is restoration. And tonight he sees you and me and he knows you and he knows me more than anyone else. As the kids saying, he knows my name and I would love to just finish this message tonight as we sing together. And in a little while, we're going to pray together at the end. But would you sing this song that hopefully is familiar to most of you, that he knows my name, he knows my every thought, he sees each tear that falls, and hears me when I call. And as you're singing that song, would you make it your own? See God the way that Hagar did, and declare through this song that he is the God who sees you tonight. Come to him. Let him envelop you and meet you at your place of wilderness, whatever it is. Let's sing together. Hey.